Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney, where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Hey, friends. We trust that you all are getting started with a good fall and getting kids back into school. And speaking of kids, we are going to be talking about parenting on the field today. And we've invited two friends of ours, Seth and Denise, to come and share with us. Uh, Welcome, guys. Glad to have you guys. Thanks. It's a privilege to be here with you guys. Seth and Denise, we know you well. We've been able to serve with you guys on the field in South Asia, but I want to introduce you to our listeners and let people know about all of your myriad life experiences and counseling experiences. They're pretty qualified for the conversation, (laughs) Yes, as you'll see shortly. So three grown kids to start off with that are all awesome and healthy, but all out of the home. So pretty newly empty empty nesters. Seth and Denise have been doing counseling work and ministry for at least 26 years and about half of those in the States and half overseas. And they have graduate degrees in marriage and family counseling from a theological school. So they have practiced professionally in the States. They have also been foster parents to 16 children. Wow. And so they can just speak into, I feel like any age. Yeah. And because they've lived overseas so much, I love that they can speak into life on the field and the particular challenges that we have on the field. And they're still doing this. They're working now with Christian workers in South and Central America. We want to talk to you guys about some of the struggles of parenting on the field today. Yeah. So in our 16 years on the field that we've been on the field, seen a lot of families leave the field due to kid issues. Really, I think as we were starting out our missionary career, probably more families than we would have expected. You know, some of them are clear. There's medical issues, there's emotional, social needs. There's also a lot of families on the field right now who are dealing with significant child challenges, kids who might need significant therapy, special needs. And then there's really just what we would call the normal kid challenges uh, of dealing with anxiety, friend issues, loneliness, culture issues, loss, transition, moving. So just starting off acknowledging this is a big issue for families on the field and it affects our life and our work significantly. So you all have seen a lot of this in your seat as counselors to parents and children. So how would you speak to this just to start off with in general? Uh, Sure. We want to start off just affirming that children are a beautiful, amazing, complicated gift from the Lord. Mm. Uh, They're a blessing. And we have this awesome opportunity and responsibility to raise our kids in a way that honors the Lord. And we get to be models, models of unconditional grace and unconditional love for our kids. Mm. Uh, God and his kindness and his generosity is the one who has given us really the privilege of living as families. He entrusts us as parents with his children. And it's a means of uh, multiplying his love in the world. We're definitely going to struggle, as will our kids, every, every, every one of us, no matter where we are, no matter where we live, uh, no matter the age of our kids, there are going to be struggles. There's going to be all kinds of struggles. Mm-hmm. And so in a general sense, we just want to say that as we live out our life of obedience, we need to be really aware and intentional about how we uh, do our marriage, how we love one another, because in doing so, as caring for each other, 
Uh, we are going to be raising and discipling our children in a way that honors God, because the end game here is not that our kids are going to live with us forever. We have children that like know how much they're loved by God mm-hmm. and by their parents mm-hmm. and they launch, they're able to launch well and even thrive mm-hmm. in this world in which God has created them to be a part. And so we know firsthand God's grace and love uh, the awesome God that we get to serve. And it's our privilege to infuse that into the life of our kids as they grow up in our house. Uh, to be clear, we fully expect each of us in our families and everyone in our family to have, have some pretty big struggles along the way. Mm-hmm. And all along, we want to cling to the reality that it's God who has put us together on this mission because he has something for each one of us. I think also we want to acknowledge that there are some coworkers who long to have children and can't Mm. for Mm -hmm. a reason. Yes. Their struggle is real. Their desires are intense. I think we need to acknowledge that that's a part of this whole family thing. There's one book, we have several resources, but there's one in particular on infertility. Mm. It's a survival guide for couples and those who love them. It's titled by Cindy Dake. And so that is a great resource that we found that that covers a lot of different issues surrounding infertility. Not everyone has the type of family that they envision for themselves. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm glad that you said that, Denise, just to show care and sensitivity towards listeners who are in that situation right now. Children are such an amazing blessing. They are so wonderful and fun. And so we do want to say we are so, so, so thankful for our kids And we also want to talk about how hard it is and how much we need help. Sometimes we don't talk about our kids' struggles because we don't want to be complaining. And Mm. so we're going to just clarify, we're not complaining. We're just asking for help from the Lord. And a lot of that is because we see our own issues as parents Mm -hmm. and our own weaknesses that we're trying really hard to uh, cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he changes us. Yeah, You know, before we had this interview, I talked to several coworkers about what their biggest struggles are with their kids. And it was interesting because I saw a lot of the same themes and a lot of it is to do with emotional health. Things like helping our children through uncertainty that is just a part of our life on the field, Uh, how to help kids deal with life when their dad travels so much how to deal with feelings of not fitting in in any culture, whether they're on the field or in the U.S. or their home country. So just give us some wisdom for parents. What would you say to our families? How do we help our kids handle these challenges or develop emotional strength and resilience, emotional health? Uh, These are great questions. There's a lot that's going on in the midst of all that. And and we resonate with the difficulty that comes along with our kids at different stages. When we first landed overseas, our kids kids were five, three, and one. And there were times when we questioned God as to his wisdom and his timing into where he put us and the intensely powerful gifts that he had placed in our lives. (laughs) They are uh, amazing beings. Uh, and yet they're solely, they're wholly different than us. And so while they're from us and they're part of us, we, we knew and, and knew from the very beginning that they, they were each in their own way, very different. 
And so we we tried early on to identify and and help each of our kids in very different ways because they each have their own um, special things that they needed. One of our kids, we'll just call him the center as he refers to himself. Um, <laughs> we had special challenges and and ways that we had to interact and and restart each day with him. That that mm-hmm. became a a complicated thing to have to to give grace and mercy brand new every day. Cause there were times when, you know, we, we were still feeling embittered about the, some of the interactions from the day before. And if we weren't really intentional about starting fresh, just like Jesus, mm-hmm. just like God does with us. Yeah. Um, if, if we weren't doing that regularly, then, then it became problematic. It'd get a little hot in our house. And, mm-hmm. and so from a very early age, be really intentional about the ways that you um, instruct, discipline, love, invest in, spend time with your kids. Because while one may love a back rub, the other may want to wrestle and the other may want to just sit beside you. And it doesn't really matter where we are. At each stage in each place, we had to be really on the ball about loving our kids and disciplining our kids and listening to our kids in very different but intentional ways. You mentioned the concerns about emotional health, and I think that is spot on because as we as adults have become more aware of our own mental and emotional health, that Mm -hmm. is going to carry over to our children. If we have our own challenges, then we may pick up on things with our kids and think that they may have the same struggles as we do, which they may or may not. And so I think it's only natural and even expected that there is a greater uh, focus and concentration on emotional health for our children, because that's culturally, that's where we are as adults. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you're speaking right into our current reality for sure. Mm -hmm. Jesse and I are learning how to be more emotionally healthy ourselves and help our children be more emotionally healthy and to be sensitive to their needs instead of just basically wanting them to obey. And just the insight you gain from knowing your own heart better. Mm -hmm. You're just able to recognize what's going on in the hearts of your kids, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least have a clue that there is something going on that's deeper that we just need to address instead of glossing it over. Right. I feel like it's, really simple. Like I need the Holy spirit to help me be selfless. I need to wake up every morning and pray, God, your mercies are new every morning. Let my mercies be new for my kids and my husband today. Let me come out of my bedroom proactively loving everyone and thinking about their needs. You don't have to have counseling skills to do that, right? You just have to be a loving person. But then on top of that, it's really helpful to to have some of this information about like kids needing physical touch and kids needing empathy and understanding. And I'm just acknowledging it's both, right? It is. It's definitely our part to be educated on the stages that our children are in and just some nothing in depth, but some cursory things about what's involved in each each stage because our parenting needs to adjust Mm -hmm. as our kids to stages and then also individualize that like Seth was mentioning. Yeah. Fair isn't always a good thing. Um, Mm. In fact, Mm -hmm. if we, if we try to emphasize fairness for our kids, uh, they will have a skewed world world worldview because the world isn't fair. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. We've often heard in uh, the mission world that geography dictates so much about life. Yeah. So where you're born is going to your socioeconomic status, your opportunities, it, it dictates so many different things. And mm-hmm. our kids, while they are privileged in many ways, they're going to have physical, emotional and spiritual troubles. They're going to need to be healthy. And some of the time we we will, as, as parents, feel like because our particular place of service um, in some ways may feel like a disservice to our kids, right? We struggled over uh, our kids not getting to go to uh, high school football games. Cause for us, yeah. like that was huge. That was just such a great opportunity. And, you know, when we got ready to go back overseas one time, uh, our kids were getting into music and at least one of them was really talented mm. in that musicality area. And we knew that we were probably going to have to give that up. And we did for a time. And, and so we have to be careful as parents not to, to fall off into one of two categories. One, we will overindulge our kids kind of out of a sense of guilt that they're having to live in a more difficult place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we may be doing things with them, for them or, or, or because of our own internal grief or desires and wanting to make up for, but we may end up overindulging. And on the other side, we we may not give them enough voice because we don't want them to dictate our calling. We mm. don't want them to be the reason that we have to leave or, or them to be um, the reason that we don't get to do the things that we feel really connected to or really strongly that God has moved us in a direction. And so yeah. we often tend to fall in one or the other mm-hmm. and, yeah. and finding a sense of balance in that is really important because we all need to have a voice. We need, we need to be empowered as we grow up to understand that God and his sovereignty has called us and moved us into these places. Some are more difficult than others and some are less safe than others. But lest we think that one place is better or one place is safer than another, we have anecdotal stories all over the place of friends and people that we know in the U.S. whose kids suffered and dealt with all kinds of things that our kids living abroad didn't have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were exposed and, and dealt with all kinds of things in their environments, be they California or Florida or Europe or different places in the world, where our kids just had different kinds of struggles. And so if we indulge too much or if we give too much voice to them, and, and don't allow the father to be the one that kind of dictates and gives us understanding uh, that can be problematic. And then if we give them too much voice, because every one of us at different stages have been like, you know what? I don't like living where I live. This is yeah. a hard place. There's so much we're missing out on, or there's so many relationships and things we don't get to do. So we want to give enough space for them to have those emotions, to to have a voice and to have as much control or power as they can. But at the same time, we're all servants of the high king. When you feel like as a parent, your field of service, where you're living and serving, it feels like a disservice to your kids. It feels like your kids are suffering because of your calling. Mm. I think that's one of the worst feelings. And when our kids were were babies, this felt much easier. This is our calling. We trust God. This calling includes our children. God is going to provide everything. The kids fit into that more easily. And they couldn't talk back about it. They didn't have opinions. So (laughs) 
but they just needed their favorite blanket and they were fine. Right. That's and they it. just were so oblivious to all that they were missing out on in their home countries. And so now with our oldest at the age of 12, I feel like it gets more complicated. There's the other side of, well, we have to do everything necessary for our child, right? That's what a parent does for our child to be healthy. And then, you know, your child only has one childhood as our children have actually reminded us. (laughs) Can you just speak to the family who has a child who's not thriving at all, who doesn't want to live where his family lives, who maybe Mm -hmm. regularly is begging to return to their home country or who is depressed as parents? How long do you let your kids be unhealthy? They're tough. They're tough. Um, it, and these words are very subjective. Mm. What does unhealthy mean? And yeah. it could mean something Good very point. different to mom than it does to dad. The first thing is it is vitally important to hear our children and to validate what they are experiencing. Because mm-hmm. if they at all get any type of cue, whether it's from our facial expression, our body language, or even what we say, that whatever they have expressed is not okay to express in their family, they're going to shut down mm-hmm. and they're yeah. going to take note, even if it's body language. Uh, mom's not happy with what mm-hmm. I just said. Right. So I'm not going to talk about that anymore. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing it is important to to give our children an opportunity to speak what's going on and not shut them down mm-hmm. which can rock us to the core mm-hmm. when it is especially dealing with our life calling and what we are mm-hmm. literally giving our lives to mm-hmm. if our kids aren't okay with it at any given moment that is so troubling uh, one of ours it was, you know, one of those later in the evening conversations before bed, which are super important important. and grow increasingly more important the older your kids get. Absolutely. (laughs) So this particular child said to me, I would never do this to my kids. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, more, what what do you mean by that? Everything inside of me is screaming out, but I'm trying to control my facial expression because I want this child to continue to have relationship with me. (laughs) And they said, I may take my kids on a short-term trip, but I would never have them leave their country and leave all their family and move to a new country. So Mm -hmm. I had a choice to make. Mm -hmm. I could either shut down that conversation over-spiritualize it Mm -hmm. and pretty much shame the child, or I can be secure enough in Mm -hmm. my calling and in the God that I serve to allow this child to feel what they're feeling and knowing that it is not going to last forever. And even if it does last forever, that's fine, but it's okay if our kids don't agree with our decisions. So I think That's the biggest part is to validate what our kids are feeling. And we do that by asking for more information, Mm. by asking open-ended questions that allow them to talk and not have the the shock factor. Speaking to the, how do you, how long do you stay on the field when your kid is, you know, having struggles? Thankfully, 
in our organization, as well as in so many others, there are resources. We are mm-hmm. not out here as Lone Rangers. Yeah. Most of the time, we do have access to counselors to figure out, is this really something that requires professional help? Right. And so I think that it's best not to make these decisions in isolation. Yeah. Man, that's such a good word. Yeah. We have learned a lot from people, other people speaking to us about our kids when different churches would come out to serve at different mm-hmm. meetings and these kinds yeah. of things. And we would ask like, Hey, what are you seeing? Um, hmm. How, how, how's our family look? And, you know, sharing a meal with someone. And sometimes that's like, we haven't taught them social skills. We haven't done some yeah. basic kinds of things yeah. that can really help them understand it and feel like they can thrive in, in the different cultures. And yeah, that's right. So, those those TCK issues are real, right? Let's talk about the the tension. We believe, and this is something we remind our kids of and others, that we've been called out and sent out as a family. And so we want to pursue those things together with faith and joy, but it it is a struggle, right? Let's be honest. So we want our kids to see and experience the heart we have for the lost and serving God, even that we need to sacrifice to love others well. So sometimes our schedules aren't perfectly balanced, neat and tidy. Sometimes even they may have to schedule or sacrifice things they wanted to do. But we also don't want to communicate to our kids that this kind of work comes first or that we don't have time for them. So how would you guys speak into this, that balance or what's a healthy approach to that? As like a in daily life. In daily life. Here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, day-to-day stuff. We have a unique job in that our full-time gig was this confidential caring that our kids couldn't really participate in. We were lucky that most of that took place when they were at school and we had an international school that they could go to. But it was hard because with our job, much like everybody else living uh, abroad, travel is an aspect of what we do. Mm -hmm. And so we had to set some things up that would help our kids both buy into our responsibility outside of our quote, 40 hour week job. There is this balance in understanding that Uh, We engage with mission and we engage with family. And Mm -hmm. when we can intertwine those things, uh, that goes really well, really, really well. Mm -hmm. But there are different aspects of ministry and life that our kids just don't always get to be a part of. And so as we can help them own their own responsibility before the father um, Mm -hmm. and their own opportunity to be on mission with him because he has a desire for them. The more we can get that part of their life to become real for them, then that's going to be awesome. Because ultimately, we don't want our kids to be renters of their faith. We want them to be owners of their faith. They may learn the language. They may be able to use those words and throw out like phraseology that our family has and and these kind of things. But ultimately, when they walk away, uh, we want them to have owned these things. We took our son on a senior trip out into the village and we were driving through the mountains on a motorcycle. It was great. Had an opportunity to share faith with a local hotel owner. Mm. Um, And I was torn because I'm like, I'm doing this with my kid. This is a special time for him. And and I shared that with him. I said, I'm really torn right now. I want this to be our time. Mm. And yet I know that this guy, I can speak his language and I have an opportunity for him to hear. This is an opportunity for him to hear like very clearly that there's a God who loves him and has purpose for him in this life. Yeah. And my son, I, just, I remember very vividly him being like, dad, why would you not go share with him? 
Mm. Please go do that. Mm, And and I want to be a part of it. I want to go with you and I want to sit and see how this works. I think part of that, what Seth is referring to, if we can put a name to it, that we provide narration for our Mm -hmm. children of what we're doing. Yeah. We talk about out loud why we're doing the things that we're doing and what it is that we're doing so that it doesn't, it, it removes the fact that it's just work. There was a time when the kids were little and I was trying to make a meal for a friend that had had a baby. I was mm. going to take it over there. And of course the kids were just all going different directions and it was not working out. And so I, I sat them down and I said, kids, I need your help. I am trying to make a meal for so-and-so because they just had a baby and this is how this meal could help them. This is how I want to bless this other family. I need your help in being able to pull this off. And it was a switch because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden the focus was on something else. And so teaching our kids the value of other people and being focused on other people is something that is going to serve them way down the road after they leave yeah. our home. But I think that we can accomplish a lot of these things and reduce some of this tension between our family and our work by narrating for them what yeah. we're doing and why we're doing it. We did that in in one way by uh, our last name is um, became part of our um, identity, hmm. right? So uh, for us, we lived in a French-speaking country, so we added Ville to the end of our name. And so in, in doing so, we established us as an entity, mm. right? So Smithville. Um, and and in, in that, the kids began to have an idea of what it is that Smiths do, yeah. mm-hmm. what it is that this family does. And, mm. and we talked early on about our calling is to the father and whatever he has. As we kind of played that out, it became like a family mission statement. Uh, mm. We had verses that we memorized. We had songs that we would do together that were kind of our chant, that were our worship as a family. Yeah. And in that kind of identity, it made it much less. Yeah, the, the tension just began to reduce and reduce. We have all these ups and downs and different seasons. And I think this is one of the things I like about this episode is it just normalizes a lot of those ups and downs, just some of the things that you guys shared, even about, for instance, your child saying, I would never do this to my kid. And Mm -hmm. we've had several similar conversations. We've had things come out of our kids' mouths at younger ages than we expected. We didn't expect like an eight or nine-year-old to be able to articulate some of those things like, well, I'm not called to be a missionary. You are, or No, if I if it were my choice, I would let my kids live in America. Childhood. I only have one childhood. I'm wasting it. And you got to spend years in the states. Yeah, what you said, Denise, is most of those moments don't last forever, mm-hmm. and that's what we have seen that has helped us a lot. Yeah. Is if we just endure the pain of all those negative emotions and just let our kids cry and cry and vent and vent and and eventually we get around to reassuring them of truth. So I just wanted to kind of normalize that. And also, like you're saying, you're trying to incorporate your kids into ministry. And sometimes that those are beautiful moments of, Mm -hmm. yes, dad, I want to help you share the gospel with this man. And then sometimes the kids are like, 
what we have to go with you to the training. Are you kidding? Yeah. You know, and they're kicking and screaming. It's just, thankfully a lot of it looks better in hindsight for their hindsight. And for ours, it sure looks better on Instagram. <laughs> they can, they can, yeah, we've often found it the case. They can look back and they yeah. appreciate it. Right. It's Afterwards. True. It's like, yes. yeah, that was, that was good. Not all the time. We've had some train wrecks. I yeah. can think of a, trip specifically that I took our son on when he was really little and it was absolute train wreck. I think I traumatized him. It's like what you guys said, if you can find ways for them to feel involved and that can be hard, but if you can find any way for them to feel like they're contributing and they're serving others, I think that can help. Mm -hmm. Like um, recently when our kids helped with some kids stuff at a training, training. it just kind of came together we tried to keep reminding our children that there are huge perks to our lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't always see them at the time. Our, our daughter, uh, we were, had taken a trip to California after she was in college and we went to a bakery and she had a pan de chocolat. And she says, just as a normal conversation, wow, I haven't had one of these since I was in Paris. Did you just hear what you said? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That is not a normal statement for someone your age. So part of the training sometimes is, hey, don't be the global snob, right? When you talk about (laughs) how awesome the food is in other parts of the world that you visited, that might be part of the re-entry training back into the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, I think one other thing we can do regarding this whole tension uh, if we can be a little more flexible from time to time on some things, it can, it can speak volumes. For instance, mm-hmm. I was leading a youth group, uh, when our kids were older and were teenagers and doing the whole teenage thing. And at least one of my kids at different times was like, I don't want to go. I don't have any friends there. I don't think it's very fun. And the mm-hmm. people that I do like with aren't going. I was like, you guys know that I'm only doing this for you guys. Right. Like I don't, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think it's important. And I know that you guys want this in general, in the general sense. Yeah. But I had to, I gave some freedom. I was like, I'm going to ask you to go, but if you really don't want to go, then you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And that was really, oh, that was so hard for me for, for that particular kid at that time, they really needed some space. And mm-hmm. then also at different times, even our very studious and very passionate passionate spiritual one was like, I'm overwhelmed with school mm-hmm. and I can't do this right now. Yeah. And if I had minimized that and, and mm-hmm. tried to maximize like, but these are just very rare opportunities, then, then it would have taken away a sense of power that they really needed because if they are going to be owners, right. If they're going to be owners, then they can change where the bathroom is. They can, yeah. they can you know, paint the house. They can do all kinds of stuff to it that mm-hmm. may not be the way we would do it, but yeah. it, it fits for them. It becomes yeah. there. And so as they're crafting what their faith looks like and how they're working that out, letting them fail, encouraging them when they do fail, and mm-hmm. then acknowledging our own failures, we would be out and I would be trying to do something and I'd come home and I would share with them. Well, that was a failure. I did mm-hmm. not share the gospel with anyone. I mm-hmm. tried to engage on some different things mm-hmm. or I was planning on doing this and it just completely fell apart. Nobody showed up. And then hearing those things from their dad and net knowing that we were still banking on God is good. Mm-hmm. And in our obedience, he will bless and encourage and do his bidding through us. Well, I liked how Denise said we have to narrate things for them especially during all the lockdowns we've had, 
to our kids, mm-hmm. we're just in our bedroom with the door shut on our computer talking to people. You know, they don't know what we're doing. We realized we have to tell them. We have to find ways, like come in the room and look at the screen and see what we're doing right now. Today, we're going over how to abide in Christ with these awesome sisters, personalizing it. Hey, Lucy, say hi to so-and-so. Helping them know, oh, this is what my parents are doing when they're doing their quote work or when they're on their computers Mm -hmm. so that they can feel like they just at least understand. Okay. One thing I really want to hear from you guys, because you, you have three adult kids now, praise God. What is one thing as you look back that you're glad you did? And what is one thing that you would do differently if you had a redo? That's a great one. I'll start. Um, You know, one of the things we valued from early on is we wanted our kids engaged in the culture. Um, So it was our intention from the very beginning that wherever we lived, if it was a hard place, if it was uh, in the midst of challenging things, we did not want to shield our kids from some of the things that we're going to be exposed to. Mm -hmm. So what that meant was some really embarrassing things. When one of our kids on their first day, I'll just say our daughter on her first day of middle school, walked down the stairs to a bunch of sadhus walking by Mm. sans clothes. And that was really embarrassing for me. It was overwhelming for her. And there was a lot about that. And unfortunately, we had to follow them for a few minutes before we could get off the (laughs) roof. It was really, it was terrible. But what we continued to do was to talk back both against the culture and to the culture. This is really wild that these guys feel like the the most holy thing they can do is not own or wear anything. So mm-hmm. so we were able to just continually speak back to those things, and so I'm I'm happy that we did that. Yeah, uh, I have a plus and a minus on the harder or things we might redo. We did talk often and openly about hard issues, especially sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just part of who we are as people, and it needed to be a comfortable part, even if family members outside of our family were uncomfortable with words we used or with Mm -hmm. how often this topic came up naturally. Um, (laughs) For us, it was just really important. But what I would redo is make sure that every device was absolutely secure Mm -hmm. and have ongoing, ongoing conversations as they got older and were given more responsibilities and privileges as to what they might be exposed to. Yeah. And so this was early days of Instagram. This was early days of Facebook. There were several things that I didn't, we didn't even know. I didn't take the time to, to investigate thoroughly. You know, it's much easier to kind of loosen the belt over time than it is to tighten the belt over time. I want to encourage you guys as you're Mm -hmm. having younger kids to keep the belt tight and then with great intentionality, expose your kids, being sure that you've done every possible thing to uh, secure and uh, prevent accidental viewings and or et cetera, because uh, we can't unsee, we can't unhear, we can't undo, but we want to make sure we're having ongoing conversations so that when those do, those do happen, we we've already had some conversations in these areas. Yeah. Yeah. Sobering and real and just such good advice. Yeah. That's we have to do the hard work of getting our kids devices secure, getting programs on them, being intentional about it. 
Denise, what would you say? Um, I think one of the things that I am most pleased with is because of the time frame of when we lived in Africa, when the kids were little, it just hit me like a brick that whatever my kids learned about the Bible and learned about the father was going to be from me. I didn't have Sunday school to lean on. I didn't have all of these programmatic things that were in the U.S. And I also didn't have the support of grandparents and aunts and uncles that could also contribute to their spiritual growth and development. So this was a sobering thing for me, but it, it caused me to take it seriously. And so when the kids were all small living in Africa, we found three stools and it was a regular part of our day that I would sit the kids down each on their individual stool so that they could not touch each other. That was a key part. And then we had these CDs that was the a kid's version of the Bible. This was before all of the wonderful things that we have access to now. So it sounds like it's archaic, but that's all I had. And so for I would time it. And for about 15 to 20 minutes, they would have to sit and just listen to the, to the Bible. And then we would talk about it. But the purpose of that, there's many purposes, but one was that I wanted them to be able to sit still in church because Mm. there was not an option to send them off. And if I was going to be able to concentrate, I needed them sitting still. So I think I was forced to take their spiritual growth seriously and to be consistent in my training of their behavior Mm. from a very young age. There were a couple of things, go back to the differently thing. We were, we memorized a lot of scripture when our kids were little, mm-hmm. like we had all the Bible, the books of the Bible on the wall, we would go through those. And then we had just passages that we would memorize. And at some point in time, we kind of gave that up. And that's something I would do different. I think that consistency, yeah. um, because we heard as our kids got older and maybe dealt with learning stuff and junk that they kind of owned that I'm just not good at memorizing. Mm. And we were like, but you were like, we yeah. all were. And whenever we kind of gave up and we didn't take those things like very seriously, didn't continue in those. And they just became things that we were by our lifestyle saying they're not that important. Yeah. The consistency all the way through, I think is hard, but it's good. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Denise, what's your redo? Actually, Seth and I are pretty we're on the same page about this one. I wish that I had taught more about Sabbath and more about the spiritual disciplines, Hmm. that it was a part of our life, the early years during that time, when the kids were little, little, we were a part of a church plant and we were on the leadership team for this church plant in Northern California. And it was something that the church was doing. The church as a whole memorized Psalm 19. Hmm. And I just didn't have a category for that growing up. So the spiritual disciplines, I was very intent on modeling that and teaching my children that when they were younger, but not as much as they got into the older years. We had dabbled in a couple of things and then got scared. Uh, We did that same with like a prayer retreat thing. Mm -hmm. We would try to do stuff and we would try to do it together. And if it didn't go well together, then we were like, well, we're just not going to try and push hard. That happened. As soon as the kids pushed back a little bit, we were like, well, uh, and, and yet we know now, like having a, a kid who's anxious, there would have been some tools that they would have had in their book, in their pocket 
that would have been readily available had we been consistent mm. in talking through like meditation and Sabbath and, yeah. and, and while they knew quiet time and they knew prayer times, like we didn't do like extensive intense times with that, which could have given, given them some tools for other things that came along. And so Good word. Well, I have truly a list of wonderful takeaways from what you've shared. And I really enjoy just how you've personalized it and shared about your own family. And I think one of the big things for our listeners is just to talk to your kids about as much as possible in our lives, our work, our failures, Mm -hmm. and take time to listen to them. Don't shut down their negative emotions. That is a big thing we're learning as parents. Yeah let them like actually encourage them to share their negative emotions instead of shutting that down. Uh, And then just to do the hard work, keep, keep getting back up and getting on the wagon when it comes to scripture memory or Sabbath, those things that we can kind of let fizzle out. Yeah. Just get back on it. That's okay. That's right. And just be willing to push through, I think building the resilience of, you know, let's get the family together. Let's go out and do the village trip. Let's do this and do that, do ministry together. And kind of push through it. Stuff. Yeah, that's right. And talk about it along the way. Yeah. And then give them a chance to process it afterwards. But I love the the theme throughout of ownership, right? Mm-hmm. Of them growing into ownership where they're taking more and more of that. I mean, we talk about all that all the time with our national partners that we're all about local ownership of the task, right? Mm-hmm. And that should be the same for our kids. We're about ownership for them as well. As Denise said, most of the seasons don't last forever. And so just praying and trusting. I think a lot of our prayer life as parents is we pray and pray and pray and pray. And kind of deep down, we're kind of like, okay, God, when are you going to answer this prayer? Mm. And then all of a sudden he does. And we have no idea when that's coming a lot of times, but all of a sudden we start seeing a change in our kid, or all of a sudden we have this awesome conversation and we see God working And so I want to encourage our listeners in that as well. Keep praying, have intentional daily prayer for your kids, intentional scriptures that you're praying and we see answers. Yep. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. Just so good to hear from you all again. Y'all have meant so much to us over the years, a lot of our coworkers Mm -hmm. and really people all over the world. So we just so appreciate the, the service, the ministry that you're doing to help families thrive, to help our people thrive in the midst of the calling that God has given to them. Thank you for the opportunity. You guys are great. 